Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, welcome to this week's Baldhead Bible Podcast, and I'd just like to encourage you, if you enjoy this podcast, to please consider supporting us. Go to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible, and there you'll see different levels that you can support us at. It isn't much. I'm not trying to get rich off of this or anything like that, but you can support us for the mighty amount of $1 a month. $1 a month, which comes to $12 a year. And what do you get for that? Well, you get access to the Baldhead Bible Podcast after show, Waxing the Dome. It's a 10-minute show where I'll be talking about various things, and I'll probably be, number one, talking about extra content that I wasn't able to get at about the character for this week, and I'll throw in some things that I just ran out of time to talk about and wasn't able to fit in the show, or or number two, I'll be interviewing some really cool people, some theological friends I have or pastoral friends I have who can give us some insight on the book or the character we're going through that week. Or finally, I'll just interview some really cool people that are just fun to meet. Or maybe I'll just chat about stuff. But it's just for supporters of the podcast. It's going to be a 10-minute show. Our premiere episode is free. So check it out, Baldhead Bible Podcast after show waxing the dome but starting this week it's only going to be accessible to our supporters so for a dollar a month you get access to this 10 minute after show podcast which will be a lot of fun but if you want to go higher you can support us for three dollars a month and there you get the after show waxing the dome as well as a sticker We've created some Bald Head Bible merch, if you'd like to look at it that way, and I will mail you a sticker if you join for $3 per month. And our highest level is $5 a month, and there you get the Bald Head Bible podcast after show waxing the dome. Plus, secondly, you get a sticker. Plus, thirdly, you get the ability to download a PDF, and it'll be a series of questions that you can use to think through the story in the podcast. You could use these questions as a way to have devotions with your family or use it with your Bible study group. And I'll try to throw in, if I can, a little crossword puzzle that maybe your kid and you can fill in as you listen to the podcast. So... You get that if you join at $5 per month. So think about supporting the podcast. You can support us, again, easily for $1 a month. It's called the Buzz Cut. Or you can join us at $3 a month, which is called Shaved. You're getting closer to the bald goodness. And then the highest level, $5 a month. And that's called True Baldy. 
You have reached true bald head Bible perfection. So I'd encourage you to think about it. Um, it costs me some money to put this podcast on. But of course, you don't have to join at all. And you can just listen to the main podcast, which will always be free. And I want to get the message of the Bible and the excitement of Scripture out there. So do not worry. That will always be free. But if you'd like to think about supporting us, go once again to patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible or just go to patreon.com and search baldheadbible. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Samuel, you tell me, what did God tell you? What did God tell you? Old Eli, the high priest, wanted to hear what God had told him because Eli had never heard or had a direct revelation from God. And here this little 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old boy had. God had called to him three times and finally Eli had realized God, Yahweh, is here, and he's going to reveal himself to Samuel. And man, Eli was desperate to hear what God had told him. The next day when Samuel woke up, Eli wanted to know. Well, Samuel, he didn't want to tell him. Because God had stood before Samuel, had revealed himself. I'm not exactly certain how he revealed himself, but he saw a visual sense of God. For the first time, God had revealed himself in a very long time to a prophet and a priest there in Israel. But the sad news was, what God revealed was not good for Eli, and Samuel knew it. And he probably didn't want to tell him. But Eli said, may God do to you, if not more. Please, you need to tell me what did God reveal. So Samuel told him. He said, Eli, God had just confirmed what he told you, that Hophni and Phinehas are going to die because they blasphemed Yahweh. And you knew about it, and you did not restrain them, and you did nothing. Because of that, Hophni and Phinehas are going to die, and also the priesthood has left your family forever. He's passing it on to someone else. Little Samuel bowed his head. I'm sure he was afraid to tell him that. And Eli, he just probably shook his head. And I don't really know how to take his response. Was it nonchalance? Like, well, oh well. May God do what he does. He's in control. Or was it a sense of, yep, I was wrong. I should have done better. May God be praised. He'll do what he does. I mean, he just heard his sons are going to die. And he just heard it's because Eli did not restrain them. And I think that's important to hear as fathers. When you hear bad news about your kids, 
when you hear that they are doing wrong, you shouldn't blame other people or pass it off as no big deal or, oh, it's just their age. No, if they are blatantly sinning, you need to restrain them. You need to say, stop doing. Let's ground you. Let's do something to stop you from committing the sin because this is not good. You need to be an active dad, and Eli was not. Well, God prophesied, right, that Hophni and Phineas are going to die. Now, how's that going to happen? Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 4, we find out how that's going to happen. And it's going to happen through another tribe that hates the Israelites, the Philistines. And the Philistines and the Israelis throughout Old Testament history are always fighting with each other. Now, who are this group called the Philistines? Well, they are seafarers. They love to sail. And they came in from the Mediterranean, possibly from Crete and out there. And they sailed into the Israeli coast there along the Mediterranean Sea. And they began to establish their little territories and their little cities. And they began to encroach in on Israel territory. And Israel had pushed all the other tribes out, but they were there and they couldn't kick the Philistines out as much as they wanted to, and the Philistines started to push back, and they're constantly fighting back and forth. Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 4, we come up to the Battle of Aphek, A-P-H-E-K, the Battle of Aphek, where Israel troops and Philistine troops are fighting for land. Well, it says in this Battle of Aphek that the Philistines won. And they did well, and it says they killed over 4,000, 4,000 of the Israeli troops. And man, that hurt. That's a lot of their foot soldiers that they lost. And Israel's thinking, I can't let this happen. How in the world are we going to make sure this doesn't happen again? Well, somebody comes up with the great idea, let's get the Ark of the Covenant. Because I remember... Our forefathers went around the walls of Jericho with the Ark of the Covenant and it worked for them. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get it. And so they went and they asked for the Ark of the Covenant to bring it into battle. And guess who brought the Ark of the Covenant? Hophni and Phinehas. Two priests of the Lord who did not know the Lord, but they went with the Ark of the Covenant and they brought it to the battle. And it says when the men of Israel saw the Ark of the Covenant, that a great shout went up before the Lord. And it was so loud and so forceful that the men of the Philistines felt it vibrate in the ground. It was resounding. The men of Israel were so excited to see the Ark of the Covenant. Now remember, the Ark of the Covenant is the dwelling place of God. God would come down into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, and the priest would meet him there. This was the dwelling place of God on earth. It seems like the people of Israel, 
They were so far from God. Remember, this is during the time of the judges when people were doing what was right in their own eyes and they were far from the Lord and they didn't really understand Scripture like they should have. And instead of treating this as the holy presence of God, they more treated it like, it's my luck charm. It's my lucky rabbit foot. And just to have it here will be good. Yeah, woohoo. Well, the Philistines, on the other hand, I think they had a better sense of what it was because it says that when they brought the Ark of the Covenant into camp, the Philistines say, whoa, a god or gods have arrived. And stories start to spread throughout the Philistine camp about how the Ark of the Covenant went before the people of Israel as they came out of Egypt. And the Ark of the Covenant was there with the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea. And they started to get afraid and they started to get scared. Well, one of their commanders, he steps up and he says, listen. Yes, the Ark of the Covenant is a scary thing. Yes, their gods seem strong, but we are men and we must fight and we must win. And he delivers the speech of the decade and he gets the Philistines yelling, Rah! and the men of Israel are yelling, because they got the Ark of the Covenant. And the men of the Philistines are yelling, Yah! because we got Dagon. Their God is named Dagon. He's got the upper torso of a man and his feet are more like a fin. He's half man, half fish. That's their God. We've got Dagon. And they got all excited and they turn and they go into battle that day. Well, you'd expect, right, Israel to win. They got the Ark of the Covenant. But instead, the Philistines rout them totally destroy them and they kill 35,000 Israelis that day totally decimate their force and it says that the Israelis run back home they're totally slaughtered and it says one man from the tribe of Benjamin he runs all the way back to Shiloh where the Ark of the Covenant came and when he runs into the city there, it's chaos and all this yelling and shouting. And it says that Eli, who is by the side of the road, sitting maybe up on a ledge because he wants to see down the road, because he's really worried about the Ark of the Covenant, letting that go into battle. And when he hears all the commotion, he asks for this man to come over. And the man sees that it's Eli and he probably thinks, oh, no, I've got to give him the bad news. And Eli says, what's happened now? Eli, the high priest, he is 98 years old. He's blind and he is hugely fat. He's been eating a lot of that meat that his sons brought him, remember? Well, he goes, hey, hey, what, what is it? What, what's the big commotion? And the man from the battle, from the tribe of Benjamin, he says, listen, number one, we lost. Israel lost. And Eli starts to get a little nervous. Number two, all the troops are decimated. They killed thousands of Israelis. Thousands of us died. And Eli's starting to get even more nervous. And number three, because oh, he's nervous to tell him this, your sons Hophni and Phinehas, they're dead. 
They were killed by the Philistines. I can imagine Eli's grabbing his chest. He's, he's just a little sad. And, oh, no, maybe, maybe a tear started to come down his cheek a little bit. And then the man gives the most devastating news of all. He says, The Ark of the Covenant, it's gone. It was captured by the Philistines. And Eli, when he hears that, he probably let out a big, oh, <laughs> grabbed his heart. That was too much news. And it says he fell backwards, fell off where he was sitting and landed on his neck and broke his neck and died right there. And then on top of that, Eli dies at the hearing the fact that the Ark of the Covenant, not so much that his sons were dead, I'm sure that made him sad, but really the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord was taken, that's what made him sad. And then his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, she's with child, and when she hears, not that Phineas is dead, but that the Ark of the Covenant is taken, she goes into labor and she dies in childbirth, but the baby is born and in her last dying breath, she names the baby Ichabod. Ichabod. And Ichabod means the glory has departed. Again, the great fear for this woman, Phineas's wife, was that the Ark of the Covenant was gone. And what did it in for Eli was that the Ark of the Covenant was gone. The Philistines had taken it, and it looks like Dagon is triumphant. See, back then, they believed very much that gods were in control of your country, and gods were in control of a certain territory, and, or maybe they had a god of the mountains, or a god of the forests, or a god of the sea, or a god of the lakes, or a god of the valleys. You fought for a god. Well, the Philistines, they fought for Dagon, and they went into battle, and they destroyed this god of the Israelis. I think his name is Yahweh or something like that. And I think the people of Israel sort of fell into that. Because I think when they saw that the Ark of the Covenant was gone, that the glory of the Lord had departed Ichabod. But had they forgotten about their God, that he is king of kings and lord of lords, that he rules over all the other gods, and there is no God like our God. Yahweh is not tied to land. He is not tied to a particular place. Yes, he claims Israel as his special people, but Yahweh can go any where he wants. He created it all. There is no God like Yahweh. And I think the people of Israel forgot this in the middle of all this letting pagan cultures slowly infect them with their philosophy and their ideas and worldviews. I think they forgot that the beauty and majesty and sovereignty of their God. Well, the 
Philistines don't know it, and they're worshiping Dagon, and they're excited, and they've got the Ark of the Covenant. We've got the Ark of the Covenant. You know, maybe they formed a big conga line. Here we, we've got the Ark of the Covenant, and they're bringing it back to their temple, and they bring it into the temple, and right there by the big statue of Dagon, maybe it was this huge, tall statue, and they place this Ark of the Covenant in their temple, and they worship. Woohoo! Things are going great. Yes! Our Dagon won. Yes! We destroyed everything. Yes! Their God is nothing. Yes! And they are celebrating, and they leave the temple, and they get up the next day. They want to worship some more, because our God was awesome. Yes! Our God was great. Yes! And they come into the temple. Yes! And they look at their idol Dagon, and where is it? It's not up there. It's, whoa, it is spam. Flat as a pancake on its face, right next to the Ark of the Covenant. Well, that's a little embarrassing. And so they, you know, they prop it back up and they all look over at Dagon Temple Janitor Steve and they're like, hey, hey, you got to take better care of this statue here. You got to take better care of the idol because our God dwells in that idol. You better make sure those screws are screwed in better. You make sure all the wires are there. Yep, yep, they're tight now. But come on, Steve, get this going. You're our head janitor. Make sure our idol is upright. And now it is upright again. Yes, everything is great. Yes, everything is wonderful. Yes, and they begin worshiping. Yes, and everything is awesome. Yes, and they eventually leave the temple. And then they come back the next day. Yes, we are ready to worship. Yes, they come into the temple and the idol is no longer standing upright. It's bam, down on its face again. But even worse than that, it looks like somebody had cut off the head and cut off the left hand and the right hand. Basically rendered this idol useless and they probably looked down this rectangle box called the Ark of the Covenant. And they all of a sudden realize the God who's behind that is something to be feared. And then what happens next is pretty bad. I can imagine they're shocked and they're like how are we gonna get there and they probably look over it's janitor steve and then all of a sudden bloop somebody feels something a lump forming on his belly and bloop oh oh, oh i can't sit anymore a lump showed up on his bottom and bloop oh, oh another lump on his bottom and bloop oh a third lump on his bottom and oh oh god sent a plague of tumors disgusting tumors that covered their whole body but in particular it seems like they were tumors that took over their behind and really hurt and they weren't able to sit and then they weren't able to go to the bathroom and it caused them to have diarrhea and then they all ran out because these tumors showed up fast and I can imagine they come running out of the temple and they run out and they look over at the field next door to the temple and the crops are just 
they're starting to fall down like something is underneath them all just eating everything and they look and it's a plague of mice and rats just devouring their crops and they're like what is happening here this is horrible and they have these terrible tumors on their body. And then on top of that, too, their crops are being ravaged. The men of the town where the Temple of Dagon was, they're like, we have got to get this out of here. We cannot keep this here any longer. And so the men of the town of Ashdod, they're like, we've got to get this out of here. I can't sit down because literally these tumors... And this dysentery was starting to kill the people of the town. And they're losing all their crops. And they're like, I think it's because of this. Ark, uh, let, let's get it down the road to Gath. Yeah, yeah, let, let's give it to them. So they somehow tricked the men of Gath. You'll want it. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. You take it. And they're trying to hide their own pain and how people are dying. And the men of Gath take it. Yes! This is great. And they are starting to worship and they're starting to get excited when all of a sudden bloop, bloop, tumors start showing up and they can't sit down. And they can't go to the bathroom. And then all of a sudden this plague of mice and rats starts eating all their crops. And they're like, what did we just inherit? And they're like, I think it's tied to this Ark of the Covenant and it is killing them. And it says it causes a panic. And they're like, we have got to get rid of this. So finally, they take it to this town called Ekron. And the men of Ekron, hey, you take it. You'll like it. And by this time, the Ekronites, they've heard what happened in Ashdod. They've heard what happened in Gath. And they don't want it. Well, it is too late. The plague has come. And it has ravaged Ekron. It has killed men of Gath, men of Ashdod, men of Ekron, men and women. And it's hurt their economy. It's hurt their whole world. And this is a horrible plague, these tumors. So they gather all the chiefs together, the five chiefs of Philistines, to discuss how are we going to handle this? What are we going to do? And they discuss and debate for seven months. Seven months. I don't know if they discuss and debate the whole time, but for seven months they continue. They continue to keep this in there for seven months. And it ravages the people and it ravages the town. And so finally things are bad. Ashdod, Ekron, Gath. These people are destroyed. And it says they finally ask their diviners and their shamans and their wise men to come up and give them a plan. What can we do? Well, they come up with a plan to basically, it's, it's a plan that says, if this happens, then yes is the answer. And if this happens, then no is the answer. And what they did is they said, let's put the Ark of the Covenant in a cart. And then let's attach a cart to two cows who have just weaned their little baby calves off of them. 
Now, when you have a little calf as a mother cow, you want to stick with it. You want to take care of your little calf. And so when you've weaned it, the mother cow wants to go back to their little calf as much as they can. And these people knew that. And so they they took cows that had just given birth and weaned their little baby calves. And they took it and they kept it at their house in the land of the Philistines. And they said, listen... These wise men said, if these cows turn around and head back towards their calves with the Ark of the Covenant in a cart attached to them, if they go after their calves, then we know that all this stuff is just bad luck. It's just coincidence. And it doesn't come from the Jewish God. But if instead we push the cows in the direction of Israel. And if they start going in the direction of Israel and they don't stop, and if these two cows go against their will, their will would be to be with their little baby calves. That would be their will. If these cows go against their will and head towards Israel, then we'll know, yes, these plagues, these horrible things, are happening from the hand of this God that is that the Israelis serve. So they're like, hey, this is a good idea. So they take the, the Ark of the Covenant and they put it on the cart and they attach it to these cows who would want to be with their calves and they push the cart and the cows in the direction of Israel and they keep on going. The cows just keep on walking. They head towards Israel. And they keep going and they keep going. And they finally cross the border of the Philistines in Israel. And they stop in a town called Beth Shemesh. And the cows stop in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. And they're harvesting and they're working in the field. And I can imagine they see these cows just pulling this cart and they just stop. And they just happen to stop by this large rock or a great stone that just happened to be in this field. And the men of Beth Shemesh run over. And they see that it's the Ark of the Covenant. And they look over and... Here's a whole group of Philistines just standing on the border between Israel and Philistine land. And they just watch and see the men of Beth Shemesh. And the men of Beth Shemesh are cheering, yes, this is great. And it says they take the wood of the cart and they chop it up and they break it up. And they start to put it around this great stone. And then they take the cows and slaughter them. And they offer them as a burnt offering to the Lord. And you know what's also interesting? What they put on the cart as well as the Ark of the Covenant were bags full of five golden tumors and five golden mice. Now, I don't know what a tumor made out of gold looks like, but these diviners for the Philistines said, we're going to offer them as a guilt offering. They knew that if these cows head towards Israel, if all this comes from their God, then we've got to offer a guilt offering to this God to make up for it. So they made these five golden tumors and five golden mice. And the men of Beth Shemesh, 
They took these golden figures and they also set them upon the great stone and they offered them in sacrifice to Yahweh. Yes, things are great. Things are awesome. But remember, this is the time of the judges, right? And these men... They're far away from God, even though the Ark of the Covenant is back in Israel. Yes! It says that the men of Beth Shemesh tried to look inside the Ark of the Covenant. The only men who were allowed to touch the Ark of the Covenant were priests of the tribe of Levi. And they even brought some down to take the Ark of the Covenant off the cart. But it says that some of the men, 70 of them, tried to look inside the ark and it says the lord struck them dead boom just like that they violated the commandments of god they should have known better what were they thinking but it says the men of beth shemesh who are in israel it's an israeli city were so afraid of the god that did this they were so afraid that they said, we got to get this ark out of here. And so they asked the men of a neighboring town, Kiriath Jerem, to come down and get the ark. Because we want it away from here. We want it out of here. So the men of Kiriath Jerem, they come with poles and they get the ark. And they take it to Kiriath Jerem. And it there, finally, it comes into the house of Abinadab and to a priest called Eliezer, who's in charge of the Ark of the Lord. And yes, the Ark of the Lord is back in Israel, and it is celebrated there for 20 years. It stays in Kiriath-Jerim, actually, for a hundred more years, and it is not brought back to the temple for a very long time. But the Ark of the Covenant is back in Israel. But think about what happened along the way. And think about these Philistines. They didn't even know what they had. And think about the men of Beth Shemesh who were killed because they didn't honor the commandments of the Lord like they should have. And, and think about the men of Israel who treated the Ark of the Covenant more like a good luck charm. And think about the fact that Israel in many ways had forgotten what the Ark of the Covenant represented. They had forgotten the God behind the Ark of the Covenant. They had forgotten who they served. They served Yahweh. And I just want you to stop and think about the God we serve today. His name is Jesus. And he is the Son of God. And who is his Father? Yahweh, the Lord, God Almighty, the God of heaven and earth who is not constrained by land. He's not constrained by time. He's not constrained by anything. He is God of gods, King of kings. He can go wherever he wants. And that God says, if you want to come to me, if you want to know me, 
you have to come through my son, Jesus, who is also God. That's where we get the whole idea of the Trinity, and that's a whole nother discussion. But I just want to say, Yahweh says today, if you want to come to me, if you seek me, if you want to know me, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, you've got to deal with my son, Jesus. No man comes to the Father, Jesus says, but through me. And I want to say, we serve that same God today who destroys other gods, who treats them like nothing because he is Lord over everything. And I invite you to, if you know the Lord is your Savior, to be encouraged today. Number one, we serve a mighty God. We have nothing to fear what man can do to us, why are we even afraid? There is nothing we can be afraid of because we serve a God who is beyond anything. And if you love Jesus and you serve him, you serve that God. But secondly, I want to say, if you do not know the Lord, if you've never asked Jesus to save you, if you've never repented of your sin and said, Lord, I want to follow Jesus the rest of my life and put my trusting loyalty and faith in him. If you've never done that, then you've got a lot to be afraid of. Because he's coming back as a judge one day. And I just want to say the men and women of Dagon, they died. Because they rejected this God and they pursued their God. And it's a simple question. What are you going to do with Jesus? And I pray that today you choose Jesus. You choose to follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You will never regret it. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.